Welcome to the world of Rex. This is Marvel Rex here. This is the first official world of Rex for the year of 2023. I mean, every day this week is in the year 2023, according to the Gregorian calendar, which, you know, does not follow the astrological calendar. FYI, we are much more pagan and witchy over here in astrology, and we like to work with the solstices and the equinoxes in terms of marking very important seasonal changes. So really, truly, the astrological new year is in the spring equinox of Aries season. The first day of Aries, when the sun hits zero degrees of Aries, that is actually the first day of the year. And as I said in my 2023 year ahead episode, really, that's when the new year starts for so many reasons. Lots of planets are having a really good, fun, splishy, splashy time in March. Things are going to be changing rapidly in March and April. So hold on uh, to your seats for that. Uh, Keep arms and hands inside the vehicle. Arms, legs, hands inside the vehicle at all times uh, starting in March, April. You know, with that Aries energy, very likely people are going to be sticking their toes out. It's going to get wild. Before we dive into the weekly energies for the week of January 2nd to January 8th of 2023, please like, share, subscribe, to this podcast. It helps me so much as a entrepreneur and, you know, wild Aquarian star child. It is super, super helpful to share the podcast and to always, you know, refer folks to me for readings or book a reading with me, which is in the link in the show notes. This is a great time. Again, I'll say it a million times until March. This is a great time to really do some deep introspective work with the people that help support your soul growth. And I can be one of those people. So hit me up. I am really open to, you know, working with folks where they're at. I have a sliding scale for my readings to try to make it accessible. Okay. So overall, this week, January 2nd to January 8th of 2023, it's a fairly chill week, except, (laughs) except there's a full moon in Cancer on January 6th. So there's a Friday full moon. Woo, we love that. There's a Friday full moon. And otherwise, the week has a lot of supportive aspects. And we're working with a lot of, for the most part, we're working with a lot of earth and water energy. And I like to tell clients that earth and water energy, when they come together and when they're active in the sky together, they create clay or, you know, the building blocks of foundations. So water and earth, earth when it is by itself is too dry to work with you need some form of water to build a structure. You need, and what is water? Water is emotions, right? So anything in our life, the only way we're going to build the tower or build the house that is our life is if we feel something about it. So we need water. We need the emotions to have some sort of impetus to do the thing. If your heart's not in it, you won't really build the house well, right? We know this. So there's a lot of water and earth available this week to work with. We do have Mercury retrograde, so we are rethinking logical and ambitious goal-oriented details in our life. That is what we are revisiting, reworking. And we're also asking ourselves, do I feel something about this? Do I feel creatively like jazzed by what I am ambitiously working towards or reworking in the Capricorn area of your chart? So overall, a chill week. There's some sparks of inspiration that are available I really like and some risk taking even, oh yeah, even during Capricorn season, we can take risks. So there's a little bit of spice this week and that full moon in Cancer is really the highlight, which is uh, Friday. So the whole week energetically, if you want to imagine the week like a wave, the, the, the entire week is building up 
to this Friday, January 6th, full moon in Cancer. Wow, wow, wow. We're going to talk about that. It's going to be a big moment. Your emotions might get more and more amped up each day heading into Friday or the emotions of folks around you. And I really like a full moon in Cancer for lots of reasons. I, you know, have some very, very strong Cancer placements in my chart. I have very strong Capricorn placements in my chart. So this one's going to be very personal for me. But I really like a full moon in Cancer because usually the word is catharsis. That is what is available. That's usually what's available is really processing some deep emotions in a way that it's like the universe has your back in the emotional processing. Like you, you know, your friend shows up at the right time to like catch you while you're crying or, you know, you are feeling really, really nostalgic and all of a sudden you bump into an old friend. Cancer full moons usually have an air of synchronicity and magic around them and also very deep feelings. So that's another thing that we're going to be working with, but they are feelings that are asking us to transform them. We are being asked to transform these emotions. That's cancer is a cardinal sign and cardinal signs are always about changing something and and creating a putting a new wind under the sails of an emotional experience. That's cancer. So Monday, the 2nd of January, uh, which is like for a lot of people, the first work week of the year, right? So a lot of folks are like trying to start the year out fresh <laughs> in Capricorn season. Again, the Gregorian calendar makes no sense to me. But, you know, trying to start the year out fresh. We have the moon in Taurus. And this is going to, so the year starts out. This is so funny. The year starts out with the moon in Taurus highlighting the issues that have been really cropping up for us during eclipse season starting in November of 2021 all the way until November of 2022. So think back to what happened in your life November 2021, April and May of 2022, and then October and November, especially November of 2022. So the moon in Taurus says, hey, guess what? We're taking all these themes into 2023. You didn't, fi you didn't fix it yet because there are two more eclipses, one in Scorpio and one in Taurus in 2023. That's good news because there isn't four eclipses. There is only two in this realm. So we are tying up loose ends with whatever drama happened in the Taurus and Scorpio parts of our chart. That could be drama with Tauruses and Scorpios, or it could just be drama in wherever those houses fall in your chart. For me, it was my 11th house of networks and friends and my fifth house of art projects that are made by me for me and acting as well. So there's a lot there. And I have been working that out big time. <laughs> Lots of stuff there. So if you know where Taurus and Scorpio fall in your chart, this is very helpful to understand the themes. And if you don't know where they are, get a reading with me and we will dive in really deep to the eclipse cycle for you, as well as the eclipses in Aries and Libra that are happening this year. Woo, very exciting. Okay, so Monday starts out with a little bit of like, it could be a, a slightly bitter pill to swallow for some people, but also with all the Capricorn planets, they're all, all the Capricorn planets are supporting the Taurus planets, the Taurus placements. So there's a lot of really, like, I would say lubricated energy here where Capricorn is saying to Taurus, yeah, I know that we're still working this thing out that we've been working on since November of 2021. And also here are some logical steps. Here is some revisiting of the details so that we can transform whatever was stuck. Capricorn wants to transform the physical plane so that it is better and bigger and more powerful. Taurus, on the other hand, is like, no, I just want stability. I don't really want to change that much. I just want stability and security. Capricorn comes in, in a, with a language that Taurus understands and basically pushes the baby bull along. Capricorn's like, 
yeah, but we got to go up the mountain. And Taurus is like, okay, all right. So wherever that fits in your life where you're starting to have perhaps synthesized realizations of, oh, I can act- I actually can change in this area of my life or this relationship can change or my career can change, etc., with these sort of logical steps that aren't as scary as perhaps I thought they were. So that's the Capricorn support coming in saying, we got to change some things on the material realm and we've got to make logical and ambitious decisions. So that comes in Monday, boom, boom. And uh, I wrote here in my notes that the entrepreneurial energy of Capricorn is helping you to become more ambitious and logical in the direction of change and upgrading whatever foundations in your life that were tested from November 21st, 2021, uh, sorry, November of 2021 to November of 2022. So there's some change there at the top of the new year. Monday and Tuesday also feature a Mercury retrograde in Capricorn sextiling Neptune. So, wow, kind of, it's a little weird. Uh, as I always talk about Neptune, Neptune's the Mad Hatter. He's a wild guy. And, but Mercury in a sextile to Neptune, this is the second of three transits that are going to happen because Mercury is going backwards. So he already sextiled Neptune on December 24th. So you can think back to December 24th in terms of any kind of communications around artistic projects or things like that. That would have been the day before Christmas for a lot of folks who celebrate. And then Mercury is now sextiling Neptune a second time as he's retrograde saying, hey, let's go back to the conversation we were having on the 24th and let's like go deeper. Let's go deeper with the artistic or spiritual pursuit, uh, the soothing and healing of others or yourself. Um, there's really strong psychic energy during a Mercury-Neptune transit, Mercury-Neptune contact. So you can receive spiritual information through dreams, meditation, spirit guides, and chance encounters. Synchronicity is very high during a mercury sextile neptune So that's January 2nd and January 3rd. Think back to December 24th for some clues as to what the... Um, what, it, what Mercury wants you to know about your um, artistic, spiritual, and religious life. Like, there is something there to be deepened around. Like, there is something that is asking us to go deeper. Okay. It's a great time to do artwork Monday, Tuesday, or anything creative. It's not the most opportune time to use mercurial things that are highly, highly logical. Even though Capricorn is a logical sign, this is more like... Well, this would be good for like taking logical steps in a artistic or spiritual pursuit, right? Like learning some details about the spiritual or artistic pursuit, but it is not necessarily the day to try to like file, I don't know, file taxes or like do things that are highly logical and a little bit mundane outside of a creative space. Tuesday, however, uh, Venus enters Aquarius. So this is, I wrote, time to let that freak flag fly (laughs) in the realm of art, love, and money. So this is a time with Venus in Aquarius to be weird, think outside of the box, take risks, and love up on your social media slash internet game. Uh, Aquarius rules the internet. Aquarius rules friend groups and collectives and communities. So Venus entering Aquarius is going to be pretty exciting and it really kicks off Aquarius season a little early and says like, you know, take risks in love, money, relationships, art projects. And again, think outside the box, be weird, like let your freak flag fly. Just go, just, you know, if you feel like, oh, I want to do this weird thing or like I want to do this thing that like maybe is a little unpopular, but like I'm just being myself. This is a great, with Venus and Aquarius, she's supporting you being like a black sheep or being like a weirdo, 
she's really supporting that. It is also a massive emphasis on connecting with groups of people. So even though it is, you know, the first week of the year, a lot of people back to work, it's a great time with Venus and Aquarius to network and to just like be present in your communities and deepen your relationship to your communities. Because when you pay attention to Venus, she gives you gifts. So if you're saying, oh, I'm going to pay attention to my community and I'm going to reach out to people that I love, especially the Aquarians in your life, you will get some gifts and blessings back from Venus. So that's Tuesday. Wednesday, the sun trines Uranus. So Wednesday, there's breakthroughs. There is self-upgrades. There is an awareness of your hero's journey that needs to be like, you know, given some sort of, uh, there's a little bit of a, just surprises, right? Just, whoa, like, oh, okay, ooh, I feel invigorated. It can feel very electrical because Uranus is an electric electric and electricity type of energy, like shocks to the system. But, you know, in a trying to the sun, it's usually positive. It's usually like, ooh, I have energy to, to do this new thing or to become the person that I want to be. So there is a supportive quality here with the sun in Capricorn, usually having to do with career or career public persona ambitions. And Uranus is saying, yes, let's do something like energizing towards this. Let's add some like weird surprise element that that makes this whole situation even more empowered and emboldened. So Wednesday is a great day to take risks. Uh, Mercury being retrograde makes me feel a little bit uneasy in the sense that you still have to maybe, with Mercury retrograde, unless Mercury is retrograde in your natal chart. So, you know, my partner, she has Mercury retrograde. This is a great time for her. This is a great time for her to act just absolutely bananas and feel empowered by it. For the rest of us who have Mercury direct in our natal charts, and you can just look that up or get a reading with me to find out if Mercury is direct in your chart, this is not necessarily a day to sign on this on the dotted line. So if you are taking a risk, maybe don't get it in hard copy yet. You know, just take the risk, see how it goes, but not something that's really finalizing or committing fully to an experience. You know, again, contracts, not a day for contracts, but a day to reach out to somebody like cold email somebody who you don't think would ever get back to you and they might get back to you. Right. You can take risks, but just you're starting things new. You're not signing on the dotted line on Wednesday unless your Mercury is retrograde. Then go ahead. Sign on the dotted line. Okay, the moon will be in Gemini on this day near Mars retrograde. So that's part of why I'm like, this is a funky day for any kind of contracts. It could also be moments where things feel really, uh, yeah, the moon near Mars and he's still retrograde is like, watch out for communication breakdowns, conversations that happen. You know, you could have really challenging conversations that happen because you had a breakthrough in your solar path, in your career path, or in your public persona. You have a desire and then Jupiter's in Aries being like, yes, you have a desire. This is the new you that you want to become at the new year. And your breakthroughs and sudden downloads around how you want to change and be bigger and bolder, Uranus, that could cause some ruffling of feathers. And the moon is getting fuller and fuller. So the emotions are getting higher and higher leading into Friday. So Wednesday, like, yeah. There could be some challenging conversations. It's just something to keep in mind. Again, not a great day to sign on the dotted line. Thursday, Friday, the moon enters Cancer. Oof. And she comes in like, mm. the moon, you know, she loves being in Cancer, but she comes in immediately with a Jupiter square. So Jupiter and Aries squares her the moment she enters her domain. So normally she's like, la-da-da, I'm walking into Atlantis. I'm going to have such a good time in here. She loves being in Cancer. The moon loves being in Cancer. But 
her first initiation into her home sign for a minute is a square to Jupiter. Generally, a square or 90 degree angle to Jupiter in the sky is not that gnarly. It's not really bad. Squares are the nature of Mars. But the tension here, the tension that is present in a square from Cancer to Aries is what I want versus what my family or my chosen family wants. So there is a little bit of tension of like what is emotionally safe for the for the tribe versus what kind of big shit kicking thing do I want to do with Jupiter and Aries. So a lot of people, especially with this Jupiter entering Jupiter entered Aries December 20th, big time during the solstice, boom boom boom, it was a it was a big factor of that new moon, Aries, uh, Jupiter and Aries was the big kahuna in the new moon of, of, of Capricorn, December 23rd. So think back to that time, because this moon entering Cancer, as she starts to get really full and is feeling herself, is going to bring back the December 23rd storyline and also basically show every single person where they want to go individually, where they have an individual desire, and how there is some sort of integration with your tribe. Like, nobody is an island. No one is a vacuum. So if you do have new, really hot desires coming in for your individual growth with Jupiter and Aries, you're going to have to learn how to integrate that into your tribe and the people who want to feel emotionally safe. The inherent tension, like I will say again, the inherent tension between Cancer and and uh, Aries is that Cancer is the emotional bedrock and it's the mother energy. So Cancer wants to feel safe, nurtured, and like th- even though things are changing, the emotions are there to catch people when they fall. Aries in Ju- Jupiter and Aries and any of the Aries archetypal energies are we don't really care who gets hurt. We're moving forward. We're going. It's time to go. So there there is the tension there between these two signs. That's going to come up big time Thursday, Friday. So pay attention. Pay attention to any sort of tension that comes in between your desires and the other person's desires. This is a big full moon on January 6th. It's not as big as an eclipse. It's not even a partial eclipse. There is no eclipse season happening here. You would have heard me say that (laughs) a lot at the top of the episode. It's not eclipse season. But a full moon in Cancer is a big deal because the moon is at her strongest in Cancer. She is really feeling herself. This is her home sign. When planets are in their home sign, they're big, bold. They're like, don't even mess with me. This is how big it is. So she's really at her, you know, in some ways she's at her height. She's providing a lot of light for us in the Northern Hemisphere during winter. So this is like her blessing us. And as I said at the top of the episode, there's a profound opportunity for catharsis and letting emotions go. These could be deep emotions. The interesting thing about this full moon in Cancer happening on January 6th is that we are leaving the COVID cycle, like I said, in the 2023 year ahead. So please listen to that episode if you want more information. But we are leaving the COVID like slog of Capricorn planets, which was Saturn, Jupiter, and Pluto in Capricorn. They came together January through March of 2020 and like completely, as we know, the world was irrevocably changed. Irrevocably. That cycle is ending. And this full moon is a beautiful talisman, a beautiful portal of time and energy to start to let go of some of the trauma of the last two and a half, three years. Three years, basically. So we're this is just a wonderful opportunity. And also, just because I like to always balance it out, the emotions are going to be really high. And what happens when the emotions are really high and there's catharsis and people are letting things go? 
<sighs> Humans tend to like to make stories about what they're feeling so that they can control what they're feeling. So this is a very, this is, we all do this. We all get caught in this little ego trap where we're feeling a lot of things and then we're like, I need to understand what I'm feeling. So I'm going to create a storyline. I would recommend during a big, beautiful, big bootied full moon in cancer to not make a story up about what you're feeling. To just be present. To just be present, especially Friday, with the emotions that are coming up and not jump to conclusions, not project them on others. Cancer, <laughs> cancer can, ooh, yeah, cancer can project. Oh, yeah, it reflects, but it also projects. So, you know, pulling it back, pulling it inward, letting the emotions transmute, but not creating some sort of like, oh, I've got it figured out storyline. Mercury's retrograde. We are deep in our interiority. We are thinking about the past. Past relationships can certainly come up during this period of time, especially right around the 5th, 6th, 7th. Even this weekend, the 7th and 8th, people can be feeling, ooh, they can have ghosts come back from the dead, really, truly, and just feel like, oh, I have to really go over this relationship dynamic, or I'm thinking about my mother all of a sudden, or I'm thinking about my family of origin all of a sudden. And it's intense and I have to like grieve. Grieving is a great thing to do on this full moon. Cancer is very supportive around grieving. And, you know, Martine Prechtel, who's one of my favorite authors in terms of like his relationship to spirituality and grieving, he really, he talks, uh, I can't remember the name of the book where he talks about grief. I'm going to pull it up so that I can actually say it for folks. Uh, he talks about grieving, grieving in his book. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Yeah, where are his books? We're going to pull it up. He's got so many books. I highly recommend just reading Martine Prechtel in general. He is wonderful. Grief. There it is. So, um, <laughs> The Smell of Rain on Dust, Grief and Praise. So he, it's a, a huge treatise on grieving properly and grieving well through losses of who and what you are and, and who and what you love. Wow, this would be wonderful medicine. The smell of rain on dust would be wonderful medicine during this full moon in Cancer to really dive into and, and to work with the radical act of letting yourself grieve. The thing that Martin, Martin Prechtel says about grieving that is so powerful in this book is he's like, the only way that you can experience joy, true joy, authentic joy in your life, the boundlessness of joy is through grieving, is through letting yourself truly and intentionally and deeply grieve. And that is the medicine of this full moon, is letting yourself grieve, letting yourself feel the fullness of your feelings so that you can also feel the fullness of joy when it comes into your life. Late capitalism really wants to keep us in like a, uh, in a bumper car, kind of like you can't feel past this level of intensity. Otherwise you're diagnosed, you know, there's some, something, there's something wrong with you if you're experiencing intense emotions. Essentially late capitalism's like no intense emotions whatsoever. Stay in your lane, keep numb because if you're, if you're, if you're emotionally contained, uh, you know, if you're not letting yourself grieve too much or feel joy too much, you're easy to control. And I'm not, to, I'm not advocating that you're grieving in a way that causes violence towards yourself or others, right? There is a balance. But let yourself cry. Let yourself, like, transmute emotion on this full moon. Tell someone how you're feeling. Like, be, take a bold move here. Cancer is about, although it's a conservative sign that wants to maintain an emotional uh, safety net, 
It also is about releasing gunk. Cancers, re- cancers want to transform emotional spheres so that they, they stay healthy. They are literally the womb. So they are the buildup of blood that is released during the menstrual cycle. So there's always a release. There's always a release of emotional energy through bleeding. I mean, that's literally, but also metaphorically. The other signs, Pisces and Cancer, or Pisces and Scorpio, especially Scorpio, Scorpio doesn't really want to let go of the emotions because it's too unstable to feel them. That's the the Scorpio perception is like, ooh, it's too unstable to feel the emotions, so I'm just not going to, I'm just going to lock them away. Pisces sometimes will get lost in the emotions and get way too deep down the rabbit hole and then all of a sudden has no idea who the Pisces is, right? Loses sense of self. That's the Pisces trip. Cancer is the, is really the, the kind of the master of emotional sloughing off and renewal. So that is this full moon, letting the blood drop, letting yourself feel the intensity of emotions as they cleanse themselves. Whew, yeah, I'm on my pulpit right now with that. I am a, got a lot of cancer in my chart. I got strong feelings about it. This is also a great time to release any holiday tensions that came up around family, if you were visiting family, or even if you were just thinking about family. People tend to think about family during the holidays for lots of reasons, but actually there's an astrological reason. Cancer and Capricorn are the two signs that rule the mother and father archetype. So, you know, the holidays, Christmas, Kwanzaa, um, Hanukkah, it's like forgetting Hanukkah, it's <laughs> my brain. Uh, these, all of these happen during Capricorn season generally, and that is all about the parental archetype. And it brings up, there's always a full moon in Cancer during this time of year. So there's always a archetypal dance with the mother and father. And that can be chosen. Again, it could be your drag mom. Like, I don't really care who it is. It's just someone who is a nurturing presence in your life or a patriarchal presence in your life, a cold presence in your life, but an authority presence, right? The the dynamics that we have as children when we're learning the rules. That is so Capricorn. So it's very natural to have feelings of needing to emotionally process authority figures, parental figures, and our mother and father archetypes during this period of time. So Friday is really good for that. The rest of the week is, let's see. Oh, and I want to check and make sure. Okay, yeah. It's a little, yeah. Mm, mm. The Black Moon Lilith is at the last degree of cancer during this full moon. So I just want to mention, I don't talk about Black Moon Lilith pretty much ever on the podcast, but she's been coming in. She, I have a strong Lilith in my chart. She's Black Moon Lilith is an asteroid. She's a minor asteroid, so some people don't really work with her, but I think anyone who's working... Uh, with the archetypal wild and untamed feminine really loves Lilith because she is sort of the, I mean, we, there's the, the myth or the the story of Lilith in regards to Adam and Eve, but also Lilith is just like, in some ways she's like fifth wave feminism. She's beyond, she's really like wanting to push us into the radical future of like what free humans look like. What do free untamed humans look like? And that's a scary thing in late capitalism to think about because it means the dissolving of a lot of structures. And so she's like an anarchist in a lot of ways and she's a badass and she is associated with the feminine. So she's active in the full moon and she will be active on Saturday and Sunday too. So that's where I'm like, ooh, Saturday especially, the moon will be talking to Lilith and she'll be like, yeah, did you let go of the feelings so that you could be a warrior? Did you process, did you take accountability for your feelings and your power dynamics that are coming up? 
you know, she's opposite Pluto and Capricorn right now. So this is big time power dynamics, releasing yourself from the sort of like inculcation or the uh, brainwashing of late capitalism, feeling powerlessness. Lilith is saying, no, I don't want to feel powerless anymore. I want to take accountability for who I am and step up and be my own parent. So there's a lot around the parent wound here. Whew, yeah, she's really active. So that's that's Saturday in a nutshell. There's going to be a lots, still lots of feelings. It's just kind of a, 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 a continuation of the full moon. And then we have on Sunday, the moon, I believe, moves into Leo. And that's going to be a real big tone shift. So yeah, Sunday, the moon does move into Leo. Yeah, and that that's when we start to get a little bit outside of the realm of high feelings. However, moon and Leo, Leo is... <laughs> Leo is just as emotional as Cancer in a lot of ways. Leo's just more extroverted about their emotions. They're a little bit more... Dr the word dramatic is associated with Leo because Leo really processes its, process is its emotions in an externalized and interpersonal way. Whereas Cancer, it is also interpersonal for Cancer, but Cancer often can turn into its shell and feel the emotions in its safe place, in its shell. Whereas Leo is like, no, I'm, I'm in the ring with everybody else and my feelings have to do with your feelings and let's have some drama about it. That's the Leo stuff. And I don't even mean drama in a judgmental way. I just mean that it's very extroverted. It's a very extroverted experience of emotions. So the emotions will still be really high. The moon will be very full in Leo. It's not a full moon, but it is the full moon in Cancer moved into a large moon in, in Leo, a, wa a waning full moon in Leo. So that's going to bring up some stuff. It'll be opposite Venus. So more relation, more relationship stuff all weekend. You can just bet your little booties on it that there's going to be some big time relationship stuff happening all weekend long, starting on Thursday and still very heightened all the way into Sunday, the 8th. So that's it. That's the week ahead. I do have a lovely guest. We're going to have a short ad break to help support my channel. And then we're going to talk to my friend Felix Mack, who's so sweet. And I have to say, you know, Venus, uh, not Venus, Mars, which rules male masculinity, uh, things of that nature, libidinal energy, getting things done energy, is in Gemini right now. And Felix, we talk a little bit about Felix's chart in the uh, interview ahead, but Felix is a Gemini. So we have our uh, Geminis showing up to represent the Mars retrograde. And it was a fantastic and lovely conversation. So I hope you stick around for that. We get to uh, meet Felix and learn more about him. And before we go to the break, just remember to like, share, subscribe, you know, leave a comment. That's very helpful for the algorithm. And uh, if you want to book a reading, you know where to find me. There is a link in the show notes. It is a great time to get a reading, to go deep, especially with that full moon in Cancer. Ooh, you want to go deep on that full moon. That's a great time to know what's going on underneath it all. All right, everybody. Now we're going to have a short ad break, and then we're going to talk to Felix Mack. And we are back at the World of Rex with Felix Mack. Did I say your name correctly? You did indeed, yes. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Felix and I, I am so happy to be here with Felix. Felix and I know each other through our transmasculine cultural production crew here in Los Angeles, which is a cute crew, by the way, a bunch of real big cuties. And I met Felix. I had the amazing fortune to meet Felix at some of our, like, beer garden gatherings. <laughs> <laughs> and I just immediately was like, this is an amazing person. So welcome to the world of Rex, Felix. Happy to be here. Yes. Will you tell the audience a little bit about yourself in this moment, 
What are you doing in Los Angeles, et cetera? Sure thing. Um, so at the moment, I am an emerging screenwriter. I'm working on a couple things. Um, most notably, um, I'm working on a trans holiday rom-com. Um, so that's in the works. I have some eyes on it in some good places. Um, nice. We're just going to shape it up. Um, and yeah, just trying to like knock on every door in this time that's entertaining. I I am really passionate about queer and trans storytelling. I think there's so much more that we can bring to the table. And I want to be part of shepherding those stories, whether those are my own or someone else's. So that's where I'm at right now. Amazing. 2023, let's go. <laughs> yes, 2023, let's go. We're recording this at the end of the year. So this is, we're almost there. I have a question for you. Do you have a queer story that has been made already that is like a pinnacle or inspired you do you have like stories or movies that inspired you to start writing and you were like oh I want to do that but better or I want to do that but trans yeah so there's like a couple of things that are like wow these are the things I watched and they made me like see like with possibility models I guess within storytelling one of those is Hedwig and the Angry Inch which I just talked about on the TCU podcast. Um, Shout out to Jonathan Culleton. Shout out to Jonathan. Yes. Get a deep dive in that. Um, And But I'm a Cheerleader. Justice for But I'm a Cheerleader. That was, for me, was such an important moment. And to know that that did not get the reception it deserved, like it was so ahead of its time. I feel like that could come out now and still be totally radical. Um, So Jamie Babbitt, if you're listening, love your work. Love it. We love Jamie Babbitt on the pod. We love, but I'm a cheerleader is one of my favorite movies. A B is a masterpiece of a film. Yeah, that's it. Mic drop masterpiece. Amazing. Um, I have to say just to like, maybe I'm just being myself, which is braggadocious, but like John Cameron Mitchell is a mentor of mine. And I'm like, I know I'm, I feel so lucky to be in such proximity to him. John Cameron Mitchell, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. He is a genius. So yeah, incredible. Yeah, just amazing. And like I was so sad to not be able to see that last concert that um him and Steven Trask did. I was like, why am I not a student? <laughs> but like yes. yeah, just glorious. And I feel like any chance that anyone gets to see any iteration of that, they should. I have a friend in the UK who um has put on a stage production that's been getting a lot of like really good press. So if you see a UK stage production coming around, go and see it because yes. It's amazing. So, amazing. Yeah. Well, now I know, Felix, that I will invite you next time John is in town. I will invite you to dinner with us. Now well, that I know. <laughs> yes, yes. Love to meet him. Oh, my God. Yes. He's incredible. Yes, we will do that. Um, Amazing. So very cool. Those are those are two cornerstones for me as well. So I love that we're like all on the same page. Who would have thought? And <laughs> I'm curious now. Obviously, all the listeners now know that you are not you were not born in the United States. So I want to try, I want to roll back a little bit since we're international here. And I want to know, you know, where you were born. What was that like? Again, like, I guess to out both of us, I'm a trans masculine person. You're a trans masculine person. That's how we met. Yeah. And you're a creative. So you're not just a trans person. You're also a, a multivalent creative being. Where, where do you come from? What's your history? Like, what was it like growing up there, et cetera? Well, yeah, one thing I would say about growing up queer in Scotland is we had Section 28 when I was in high school. So like I I came out for the first time as like a lesbian when I was like 11 or 12. I was like, I kind of told a friend, was overheard by the most popular girl in school. 
yada yada terrible wow oh my gosh it's that's like oh my god it's like a coming of age it's like a coming of age drama oh my gosh someone else write it i don't want it but you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) like yes yeah and so then it was like me and my like little like metalhead friends against the world because we couldn't talk to any teachers about it like Mm. teachers were literally banned from discussing the topic of homosexuality in schools in scotland at that time that's Um, what that title was that title was literally prohibiting okay Yeah. yeah and so that even when that work that because that ended during the time when I was in high school but even then the aftermath of that was still really felt and people were really afraid um so I have friends now in the UK who are teachers and it's amazing to me to see that the schools that I went to now have you know LGBT societies and stuff and I'm like oh wow that's amazing yeah um but it was very much like it just wasn't it wasn't you know like like, it wasn't even an open secret it was just it didn't exist it didn't exist and you know? this was this was the nineties and the two thousands, yeah. Yeah. So this yeah, was, 90s, okay. early two thousands, yeah. And it was just, yeah, it was hard. Um, but it was weird because I feel like that was, in a way that maybe people don't necessarily have as much now, but still, definitely some people do. Like, I was, I felt really pushed towards the alternative, you know. So I was like, I'm the biggest like Marilyn Manson disturbed fan you know like we were all into metal we were all into like being kind of like anti-society um and I discovered um a lot of like left-wing politics I (laughs) I got really into Michael Moore um (laughs) partly because of the Marilyn Manson connection obviously yeah Um, (laughs) easy leap that's an easy leap yeah easy leap yeah and then just became really like political uh, at school which wasn't very well received um, <laughs> and in my early 20s I was an environmental protester um, I lived on some anti-open cast coal uh, wow. protest sites so I lived in like tree houses and, and like weird bunkers that I had made with uh, not very good uh, carpentry skills my grandfather who was a carpenter did not pass down to me um, <laughs> <laughs> didn't get the gene didn't get the genes got it yeah yes. yeah um I did that for my 20s and then was like hmm something else is going on for me realized yes. that trans um I think as well oh yeah I was traveled around Europe a little bit realized I was trans um came back to the UK and was involved with like a little like a trans community in in the north of England and ran a cooperative bar there so that was like another kind of leftist space that was like you know we were all a a co-op um and nothing really kind of cements that actually sometimes rules are good like being Mm. in a co-op yeah (laughs) having boundaries like having boundaries having (laughs) rules oh yeah we're in Capricorn we're about to be in Capricorn season half the planets are in Capricorn right now it's all about rules baby I mean rules can be very healing boundaries can be very healing yes yeah and in some ways actually like I would say that that time in that bar really is is part of what this film I'm I'm writing is about Uh, it's Mm. a love letter to that time like I feel very strongly about the spaces that queer and trans people create and you know how important those are for better or worse you know like yes I I would like to have a I'd like to have a manager these days, but I also am like that was a beautiful emergence time for me. I felt like I came of age for like the God, third or fourth time there, you know. I totally get that. Yes. We so, come of age many times. Yes, yes. Yeah. And then And you were wait, really quick, you were in Northern England. Were yeah. you were you basically kind of like an island of trannies? Like I'm trying to understand. I'm like, was this I'm I you know, I know, very politically incorrect. That's yeah. me. Um, were you like an island? 
was I'm just trying to understand Northern England. I'm like, it sounds conservative to me. I'm making a judgment because I literally have no idea. So I could be very wrong, but yes. The, the North of England is actually quite, because, okay, so this, yeah, because of like, you know, Margaret Thatcher. Oh, <laughs> the right. Northern England is yes. actually quite like liberal in some ways because okay. the all of the North hates the Conservative Party because of, not all, but like most, a lot of a wide swathe of the north of England hates the Conservative Party because of Margaret Thatcher and, and mining and what happened. Because yes. there's a lot of mining communities historically there. So it, in a way we were kind of an island, but only because of like who we were. And I feel like mm. there was like a, just a big scene in that in that place where I was. Okay. Um, in a way where like maybe the, the more, the nearest biggest concentration of trans people, especially like trans masculine people would probably be in London. You know, and that has changed now. I really, one of the things I feel very lucky about um, is that I dealt with, I kind of came into myself and dealt with a lot, like the bulk of my medical transition at a time when the NHS wasn't quite so harsh towards a little sweet spot in the UK where people knew enough that you could get healthcare Mm-hmm. And people didn't know enough that the tabloids were going completely bonkers like they are now. So right. I was in that sweet spot and that was great. And now it's all a bit like, oh, God, I'm really sorry, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> follow up, follow up question for you. Uh, I, this is so interesting because obviously we know as we're reading like the New York Times and American newspapers that obviously the discourse around trans, especially medical stuff, is bananas bonkers right now. But so are you are you basically saying like the same thing happened in the UK, almost like parallel? Yeah, I actually think it started a little bit earlier over there than it has here. Okay. Um, but like, so basically for the last ugh, maybe five years, there has not been a Sunday in the UK where there hasn't been an anti-trans tabloid piece. Wow. Every single week, at least one. And that's, you know, most weeks there's more than one piece. But it's like every Sunday, like wow. there was like a specific paper that would just be like, here's this thing that we think and like you know papers like the guardian which were well seen yes. as like kind of almost like a highbrow paper yes. have just been platforming turf ideology for a really long time now um wow. in the UK, so so jk so jk rowling is fully not she is not special in her views like it is a, it's a cultural phenomena right now yes yeah she's she's kind of just gotten meshed in that worldview but also i think her status has kind of also elevated that yes. yeah yeah elevates good good word yeah so it's just a bit of a mess over there um there's been a few court cases um with specifically again same thing like we don't think that young people should be like should be able to have blockers things like that mm-hmm. um and so there's mm-hmm. been cases like that over in the uk um scotland is a little bit of a mixed bag um the scottish national party are like are like there's there's a lot of turfs there but then there's also like a lot of like people who are like no 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 we 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 care about queer people so it's 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 weird interesting and it's actually causing a lot of like political parties to like split and fall apart over there like it's wild it's really really wild we are like such a wedge issue right now it's right it is just like mind-boggling i'm like oh Mm -hmm. our bodies are on the front line yeah okay get a hobby yeah i know (laughs) Or like lo- learn to love yourself, honey. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. get integrated. Like we can do this. Go to therapy. You know, everyone yeah. needs to feel seen and heard. I'm so curious about this. Is kind of a, a slightly off center question, but I'm curious about your relationship to Scottish masculinity growing mm. up. 
because that's something like we have Amer- we have the like American cowboy. We have that sort of and we also I grew up in the 90s where like NBA players like there are certain like fixtures of masculinity and of course celebrities, American celebrities. But I'm super curious about Scottish masculine I know it's a broad topic but like the men you were raised around like what was your relationship to that what is what is the what is the Scottish who's the Scottish man I mean to be very very broad I think it's I think it's interesting because I feel as though there's like this kind of duplicity um so there is definitely a stereotype of white Scottish masculinity that is working class Okay. Um, and it's very like coarse. It's very like football hooligan, you know, all that kind of thing. Um, and some of that is like ever present and like a bit of a front and some of it's like dangerous, you know, but right. um, I feel like I was sheltered from a lot of that. Like I went to my, I mean, my, my first, like my primary school and my high school were like a little bit more um, in like a better area so mm. it was that um I didn't grow up with a lot of men in my family um okay. my grandfather wasn't a very happy man um okay. but um there's also this other kind of Scottish masculinity that's quite soft and I think that's the kind mm. of masculinity that's seen on tv you know when we see things like Outlander it's this no. kind of like tall brooding you know softer but sensitive but yeah he's sensitive and he's like contemplative yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And that does exist, but I don't think it's as widespread as people who romanticize Scotland would (laughs) like to believe. Right. Um, But then there's also like something that I think is really at odds with how Californians are is (laughs) this kind of like Scottish banter. Like we rip each other to shreds Mm. as a way of showing that we love each other, you know? So like it's really prevalent to just be like, all right, you can't, how you doing? You know, yeah. and that's like, you're my best friend, you know, whereas yeah. over here it'd be like, what is wrong with you? Why is this person like abusing me on the street? You know, and I think that yeah. that is something that's really interesting. <laughs> right, and um, I'm sure you've had to like pull in. You've had to be like, okay, actually that's not the way I can communicate to everybody. Yeah, yeah. and it, it's funny when I meet other people who are from like different parts of Europe, I was at like a, a writer's mixer um, and I met this lovely person who's from um somewhere in Europe god I can't remember right now and um they were just like oh my god it's such a it's so great to talk to you because we can just we can just make fun of each other and no one else understands that everyone here thinks that I'm being mean and I'm like just trying to, <laughs> to connect yeah like, oh. yeah so yeah that's well we're very soft in LA obviously the, the farther you move west to the the U.S. you're yeah I mean because in New York people will still be a little bit I like it. I, I I am a little bit of a soft baby now since I've been in LA for too long, but I like going to New York and being like, oh yeah, all right, that guy was mean, but he obviously he obviously wanted me to get out of the street so I didn't get hit by a car. <laughs> you know, like yeah, totally. there was some love there, but it just came out in a way, you know. Yes. So I, yeah, I, and I think I'm just good at code switching now. Like oh, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I always have been because oh yeah, are, but like Trans, yeah, yeah, it's just like let's just add another string to the bow of the, of the code switching, <laughs> and I'm I'm a Gemini, so I'm like. How can I fit into this conversation? You know, yeah. I saw it in your chart. I was like, and you said, you said earlier duplicitous. And I was like, that is the, that is the key word for, (laughs) for Gemini. Like the shadow side of Gemini is absolutely duplicitous. So you said (laughs) it and I was like, there it is. (laughs) Keyword. So, okay. Gemini. Another thing about Gemini's they're writers. So like, first off, I want to kind of know when did you move to LA? So how long have you been here? And 
then like what are you working on that you feel really excited about or like what spurred the writing how long have you been writing is it just screenwriting yeah so I was always like a writer in school um I used that English was like the the sanctuary for me like a lot of my teachers were just like why are you always talking and never <laughs> applying yourself? And I was like, because it's boring and I probably have undiagnosed ADHD. Yes. Um, <laughs> but the English teachers were like, they could see something in me that other mm. people didn't. And they mm. tried to find ways to support that, which, you know, when it, it feels like the whole world's against you, that's really appreciated, you know? Yes. Um, so I was totally, fully like, I'm going to go and, study writing and then instead I was like I'm gonna go to work in a shop and be with my girlfriend in Edinburgh (laughs) romance I know yeah love love has its own mind yeah yeah I did a U-Haul instead of going to to university which doesn't hasn't I mean it's a choice I have I have a lot of life experience (laughs) um and so then I guess I've always just been writing like poetry and songs and then I feel like I had like a real big period of time where I just didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And it was actually the pandemic that really like brought me back to that. Um, cool. Okay. I was dealing with some, like the first major grief of my life. My grandmother mm-hmm. passed in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it just started pouring out of me. And so that was really cathartic and helpful. And I was yes. thinking when I first came back over here, I, well, came over here, I was thinking, oh, I'm I'm just gonna really make a, a go of it with this poetry stuff. Um, mm. I I came over here because I met my my now husband. Um, so that was like a, a love amazing. story for the ages. Oh, amazing! Um, but yeah, it was like twenty twenty one. Yeah, I've only I've, I've wow, only you like are really fresh. wow. <laughs> and did you move directly from the UK to here, or did you stay somewhere else? Oh wow, okay, direct to LA. Okay, yeah, but it was like we were in. So my husband was finishing up in Cal Arts. Um, okay, so we were in the suburbs, which was also an interesting place. Oh to my learn. god, Santa Clarita. Were you in Santa Clarita? Uh-huh. Oh my gosh, that's for everyone who doesn't know. Santa Clarita is definitely like cop country, like conservative yeah. cop cop country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I came from like Scotland where you were like watching, you watch America from over there and you're just thinking, oh, surely that can't be true. And like literally the first cafe that we went to, to have like a welcome, like to, to seeing me over here meal was this woman was wearing like a blue lives bandana, oh, like mask. I was like, God. holy crap, it's real. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. And this is so Cal. And you're like in Southern California near Los Angeles. I know. Yeah. <laughs> It's such a trip. CalArts is such a trip because it is this like weirdo, psychedelic Walt Disney like mm-hmm. art school for weird for the weirdest of the weirdos. And yet it is in Santa Clarita. Like so it is odd. in cop country. It's yeah. so bizarre. Yeah. 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 So that was a trip. And then and then we kind of once that finished up, we moved to LA. And yeah, that it's and I was like, and I think what happened was I you know what happened is happiest season came out. Right. Uh, I saw Happiest Season, so I'm glad that we can talk about this. Yes, amazing. And I was like, I'd never seen um, like an actual, like a holiday rom-com with queer people in it. I'd never seen that. And I mean, I've seen Carol, which is arguably the best cinematic experience during Christmas of our time. Um, (laughs) Like. Yeah. But it's just it's it leans it's full yearn, you know. It's yeah. like it's full yearning, and like yes. I, I have space for that as an ex lesbian. Like, come on, I um, totally totally am there with you. I watched <laughs> I I took I basically only imbibed lesbian cinema growing up, which was just mostly yearning or you know one of the protagonists dying. But anyway, yeah. continue. Yeah. Yes, 
<laughs> so I watched this and I was like, okay, wait, we can have this kind of story. Great. Like, but also like, how about if I wrote this in a way that was more, if I wrote something like this, that was more related to my experiences, yes. because my experiences have never really been like, you know, let's go home to this tiny place and, and, and something miraculous happens. It's always like going home for Christmas always felt like, you know, a bit of a drag, not necessarily like the, like my family sucked, but just that it was like my chosen family were this ragtag group of queers who maybe did or didn't have somewhere to go. And we were all hanging around this bar that we loved. And like, that was the place where we made magic happen. You know, it was like drag. There was like weird art. There was just people having messy drama. And like, I feel like that <laughs> is the queer experience for a lot of people. And so I wanted yes. to see something that really like, leaned into that and that's what I've been trying to like that's what I'm working on is that it's almost it's almost like Hedwig and the Angry Inch but a Christmas movie (laughs) I'm like yeah it's a bar there's community and yes I love it's so funny that we're recording this literally the week before I mean this is the week of Christmas I love Mm -hmm. this and I love that you're like I want different holiday representation and I'm like I'm like I would love Felix please like yes I support you what I'm saying is I support you making especially a trans masculine, but also just like a trans diverse holiday film. We need that. We need that. And also for it to not just be like centered around one holiday, you know, like I feel like it's like, if we don't give even like the slightest nod to Hanukkah, like what are we doing? Exactly. I'm a a Jew. So I love this. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Kwanzaa. There's yes, we can be really open and you're right. Like if it is, I love the setup because it's like if it is a community or a collective of queer people, everyone's going to be, I mean, there's going to be a Wiccan. There's going to be people celebrating solstice. Like there will be a diverse amount of holidays being celebrated. And I, we do need it. And it's funny because the other queer uh, holiday rom-com I saw was Single All the Way. Have you seen Single All the Way? I have, yes. And I was like, I mean, you know, I'm not going to go down the tangent of how I feel about like gay male rom-coms, but I was just like, we, I I liked some things about it, but for the most part, I was like, oh my God, we can do so much better. We can do so much better. So I agree with you. We need, we need more basically. Yeah. And I feel like we're in this interesting period of time where like, we're now getting like our one like rom-com, like there's one coming out this year, which um, is about cancer, which I'm... Is for other people, I think. Yes. I'm like, you're saying I'm like, like a gay movie about cancer, or is it yeah. a trans movie about cancer? No, it's a gay movie about gay cancer. Gay movie about cancer. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I'm sure it's great. And for some people, people really want to lean into See like that. the sadness of the season. I I want joy. So yeah. I'm 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 sure it's gonna do well. It looks like it's like it's kind of funny and like well produced. I just I don't want to cry anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, we've come out of a few really hard years. The astrology has definitely backed that up. We're coming, and 2023 definitely has a different tone, which is Thank so God. exciting. I know. I'm so <laughs> excited. The tone doesn't, I'm just going to tell you, Felix, the tone doesn't really kick in until about like March, but we're going to hit a different tone and we're going to be like, oh, great, great. Different tempo. Love it. But, and also what I, I loved what you just said, where you're like, I want joy. And I do think, especially as trans masculine folks, like, we have very little representation that's actually joyful, if, yeah. if any. Yeah, and that's like, I'm like so, that that's kind of the thing I'm running on. I actually, where is it? I have, I actually have like this little piece of art that I bought from um this guy in the UK who's just like trans masculine studies on Instagram, if you're interested. And he has this little postcard that just says trans joy, exclamation mark. And that's like, I'm waiting to get a frame because yes. that's 
that's my motivation. I want to see stories of us succeeding, of us having happy lives. You know, I think there's a lot of people who are coming into realization about who they are right now and they are mm -hmm. terrified because yes. they are for the first time realizing that, you know, we're in this weird spiral that feels for some people like a death spiral as if yeah. like, oh, our, all of our rights are being taken. And it's like, yes, and our rights have never been always granted. We've yes. fought, our ancestors have fought tooth and yes. nail for what we have right now. And we can do that again. And we will continue yes. to do that. And yes. We'll always be here. But yes. we need to be showing possibility models. I don't want to be seeing any more of these things about like just people constantly trans people dying, trans people, you know, it's like, yes. I mean, I'm sure there's documentaries to be made, but like yes. in, the, in the scripted space, let's have some joy, you yes. know? Agreed. And like, what is it, I think also like pushing into the future, and this is what John and I, Jonathan Culleton and I talk about a lot, is just having representation where it isn't just through the like cis gaze or the projected cis gaze of like, ah, this is a coming out story for a trans masculine person. It's really sad. No one understands him. Like, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, we actually have, there. there is a, so much creative potential here in Los Angeles within our cohort of people who are like creating like detective movies and like comedies and like things that are just really dynamic that are also healing, I think, not only fun to watch and joyful to watch, but are healing, are potentially healing for like, are especially the Americanized concept of masculinity, which is, I think masculinity around the world is really, really wounded. Mm -hmm. um, and we're, I just think we have, we just, I know, I don't even think, I know that we have so much to offer. And so it's just about getting in those spaces. And, and as you said, like knocking on every door <laughs> possible. Absolutely. And it's, it's so. also just that, like, I think as well, I've spoken to a few people and there's where we are right now is that people are really wanting a specific kind of story because mm. people who aren't trans if they're writing about trans people it's like well how do I show that this person is trans oh, yeah. and it's oh, like yeah. well get a trans person to help you write some things that aren't yeah. just like this person is coming out or this yeah. person looks like this because literally how many people do we know who are actors who've been told that they don't look trans so oh, they yeah. can't or they me can't all the time enough. me it's like, all the time yeah yeah it's like all we can get to a point where people can't quote unquote tell yeah and we're still real people with lives and exactly. whose stories are starting to be told. So exactly. there's so much more than just the coming out story. And that's not where our transness ends. And it's also not where our lives end. You know, like if you've yeah. quote unquote finished your transition for yeah. want of a better term, like you still have a life and also that <laughs> history still impacts it, you know, <laughs> come on. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I completely agree. I completely agree. So before we take a peek at your chart, I want to ask you, like, what I think for every trans person and for any creative person, even just like to make it even a broader audience, like creatives, we need some sort of like spiritual buoy or some sort of like routine that allows us to feel connected slightly to our delusion, which is pushing us forward. Right. Like there is a level of being like, OK, I'm going to get to this space, even though no one's done it before. Right. Like you're literally saying, like, I want to write a trans like holiday rom-com which has never existed like you're saying i want to do something that has never really existed so that's amazing um has there wait am i wrong is there a trans rom-com that i'm aware of holiday rom-com not really i don't i don't know no not, I, I don't know not, one i'm okay. not sure okay yeah, i want to make it, sure that i'm not you put it like that i'm like oh god yeah i guess i, I am trying to <laughs> you are trying to do something i mean i'm in the same boat i'm being like i want to be a leading man and i don't want to i don't want to 
be a leading man in a didactically trans way. I just want to be a leading man as a trans person, right? Like, that's also never really been done. So we're all here trying to break into space and be like, you know, cycle breakers or, or creating new realms, world building. What is, do you have a spiritual practice? Do you have like a spiritual journey that you've been on? Were you raised Catholic? I have no idea. I'm so curious. Like, what is your relationship? This is one of my favorite topics. So, yeah. I, um, I went to church when I was younger and I chose to get baptized uh, as wow. a Protestant. Um, and then at some point, me and my family were like, why do we go to church? Do any of us believe in God? <laughs> like we just, we just thought it was the done thing and we just kind of stopped doing it. Right. Um, so that is funny. Um, and then I think for, I'd had a lot of run-ins with people who really used religion as a cudgel to beat queer people. Mm. I remember specifically being handed a flyer by someone saying that um, all these people are going to hell. And it was like rapists, murderers, homosexuals, you know, like that mm. kind of vibe. And it really fucked me up. Like there was a lot wow. of things like that early on and that really fucked me up and made me kind of like anti-Christian. Like I really was like, you know, and especially because I was like, you know, I was very much in, involved in listening to like a lot of heavy metal and a lot of the, so yeah. there was a lot of that kind of like, yeah, fuck religion, you know? Yes. And then it wasn't until, I don't even know when, but I, I started to kind of get older and hold a bit more space for other other identities and beliefs that weren't mine, you know? Right. Um, Healthy and, thing to do. Healthy thing to great, do. Great. Yes. We love that. <laughs> um, yes. And I'm, and I think as well, I made a few friends who, who were religious or who were, who from religious families and had a bit more understanding that it wasn't that that's there's not there's not just one way to be in religious you know and so right. that really helped me to meet people who were from like what I would say is like truly Christian families who mm -hmm. were like God is love welcome mm -hmm. to our home you know that yes. to me is the heart of what the Bible is about right yes um I kind of got into Buddhism for a while um cool. because I had the amazing experience through my high school of going to an audience with the Dalai Lama which wow I mean my gosh I just I've never felt anything like it like he walked into the room and I could just feel this energy like this, mm. this lightness within me and it really changed my life because I was like oh something's that's that's something real and tangible that I can that I can tell is happening right now and it's not me being excited at the presence of someone who's famous it's like it's someone's energy in this room is really full of pure light um wow. so that really I don't know stuck with me um and I think today I'm I'm very into like the idea of of energy and like I listen to a lot of like ASMR Reiki yes <laughs> yes right um, I'm really into astrology and tarot. Um, I have some crystals. My practice is totally lacking. I feel like I'm a, a complete dabbler. Um, but it's Gemini. something that I really, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. It's something that I want to invest more time in, definitely. So I guess I'm in that like white woman wellness cult. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> goop, goop, baby. No, I love it. I love it. Um, amazing. Really, really cool. Well, looking at your chart, like you are. A Virgo rising. Am I mm -hmm. correct? Yes. Okay, good. I have your chart up correctly. You're a Virgo rising. Your 12th house, which would be like spirituality, and your 8th house, which is also very a very occult house, they're both in Leo and Aries, which are fire signs. So in some ways, if this makes you feel better, your creativity is your spiritual practice. Right. Yeah, that, that does right? help. <laughs> 
right? So, like, you working and you writing, and also, like, if you're eventually on set, Leo and Aquarius, the access of Leo and Aquarius is being on set. So, like, that being your 12th house of spirituality, like, being on set will likely be a spiritual experience for you. Awesome. Okay, great. That makes sense to me. That makes a lot of sense. So maybe, you know, sometimes we're, sometimes folks are like, oh, I don't have a regular meditation practice. Like, oh, I feel weird about it. I always look at them like, no, you've got, everyone's got a different spiritual language. So yours is very creative. Yours is about creating and being in like a high, kind of like a high octane environment. Like, I don't know how well you would actually do in like a, in like a, an ascetic or like being tucked away from the world kind of environment. It's like stimulation. Your 12th house needs a lot of stimulation. Yeah. So. I, like I say, I have the feeling that I maybe have undiagnosed ADHD and uh, I'm, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing some hospitality stuff right now. And when there's nothing to do, I feel like my skin is on fire. I'm like, yeah. this boredom is killing me. <laughs> Please yeah. give me something to do. So yes. yeah. Yes. Well, you are a Gemini. And your Gemini sun at 24 degrees is right next to Chiron in, right? So Chiron is the asteroid of wounding. And it's very interesting when I see Chiron in Gemini, I'm always, I'm almost always like, oh, there is something challenging about the mental faculty. Not that it's bad. It's that like there could be a dispersion, which would be totally like ADHD symptoms of the mental Mm -hmm. realm because that's Gemini's the mind and and the speech. Um, And it's funny because Chiron's always like, what's Chiron's the medicine for the person? What is the person here to like transform and heal? And for you, it would be like all the Gemini things, writing, speaking, focusing. These are all things that you're like, okay, healing. And, you know, writing, it's funny. I was listening to a podcast this morning about Stephen King was talking about his writing process. And it requires a certain level of like warrior like discipline to like be writing every day. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's the thing is that it's like, I really want to like properly hone that. I, mm. it's, it, for me, it's like, okay, how, how do I find time? And I think I'm often trying to ha- be in exactly the right mindset. And it's like, that's not going to get pages done, you know? Yeah, yeah. For sure. And I think as well, when you talk about like, like the mental space, like I do totally struggle with like anxiety and some kind of like mm. depressive thoughts. So I'm always yes. a bit like, you know, it's like, I, I, there, and the Virgo rising is like a bit of a perfectionist. Oh so my gosh. This isn't correct straight away. If someone's like, I have notes, I'm like, I'm the worst person ever. And you think that I'm terrible. And it's like, no, this person just has notes because they want to help you get it better. Exactly. Everybody gets notes. Like, you're fine. <laughs> Everybody gets notes. Everybody gets notes. I mean, it's interesting too. I will say, like, to give you a little bit of a mini reading here, you have Mars. Re- Mars is currently retrograde in the sky in Gemini on your midheaven like on your midheaven he is on it and he's retrograde so he's extra adhd he's extra potentially intrusive thoughts it's a lot of basically mars inflames wherever he is so he's inflaming not only uh, your stellium in gemini because you have sun chiron and venus there but he's also inflaming your 10th house of career and your 10th house of public it's the top of your chart it's your public persona so I'm just giving you like free permission while he's he's retrograde until January 12th. This is kind of a time for you to just like not try to overstimulate or over inflame your brain and over inflame thoughts around your career or especially this would manifest as imposter syndrome. So I would <laughs> do your best. I know you're like, oh, my God, he's speaking into my soul right now. Um <laughs> Yeah. I would do my best to curtail or man- manage the imposter syndrome until after January 12th. 
And in fact, really, the date that I like to work with with Mars is that he goes, he leaves his shadow retrograde period in March. So, you know, you've got until March to like not overthink the career stuff, not try to make the career move really, really fast and not beat yourself up mentally for the pace of the career. Because luckily you're about to have your nodal return, which is when your north node in Aries is going to line up with the north node in Aries in the sky. And you're about to have a huge destiny moment coming up in the next year and a half, two years. So you're you're about to have a huge culmination moment. You're You also have Jupiter in Aries, huge culmination moment. Don't get too tripped up in the details right now. You know, okay. wait until April. April's <laughs> gonna April's gonna give some different different vibes for okay, sure. I'm writing this down because like <laughs> because yeah, <laughs> all the things you're mentioning, I'm like, but I'm really good at imposter syndrome and negative self talk. Yeah. <laughs> Those are my secret skills. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, Gemini Sun Virgo rising, absolutely. The combination <laughs> can be lethal. As <laughs> I mean, again, y'all are great at details, and you're great at like understanding the minutiae like you would be I can understand how you're an amazing writer and probably really good at building a character right because you need how do you build a character you build a character through the small details which is Virgo like how they take their coffee and how they write like that I can see you excelling at and then the shadow side is the brain your internal space can be chaotic or just yeah. like or self-defeating right perfectionism definitely Virgo absolutely yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes. So the the final thing that I want to ask you is like, what is for you? What is what are you excited about for 2023? Like, what do you want to see happen culturally in terms of the entertainment industry? What are you like? This is what I want. Like, it's it's the solstice. So and Jupiter just moved into Aries. So like, let's let's hear your prayer. Let's hear your big thing. Like, what are you feeling? Let's manifest. Yeah. Yes. Um, I mean, I feel like I've met a lot of really inspiring trans people and I have heard some of the things that people are working on and I feel like 2023 is our year. I feel like there is going to be a massive cultural shift and I Amazing. fundamentally believe that in that, I can't remember who said it, but like culture moves faster than policy. That is why yes. I, that's part of why I'm, I am trying to write something and like why I want to work in the entertainment industry because it's like, it's a way to be an activist without feeling like too scarred by what's going on because yes. I can still be creating um and I think that there is just I'm excited for there to be a wealth of honest uh trans projects with trans people at the helm that are that are full of integrity yeah and are fun and are joyful and yes. maybe even a little vapid sometimes you know like we love it to have that you know there's yes. stuff coming down the pipeline from some people I know that I'm like I cannot wait because yes. and I and I know that part of that is that all hell's gonna break loose when it does come out. But like, we deserve that. We deserve to see this stuff. And oh, I love ruffling feathers. Oh my gosh, yes, bring it oh, on. They're gonna be ruffled this year. I, I can feel it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I love that. Just more like, well, more of us meeting each other. Um, yeah. I really, I've been really excited about these trans masculine mixers that we've been going to. I'm really, I have been chatting with a friend about making one that's that's mixed and is for all trans people so I'm yes hopefully we can do that too absolutely um, and yeah just more more turning turning up in your your barbie uh jumpsuit at outfits probably <laughs> i hope that's happening thank you i will <laughs> i will bring that barbie jumpsuit oh yeah, yeah. you, you wait best you boys. should wear that 
to the to the Barbie premiere. Oh my sure, god, I have going to. to that, right? I, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Hari's in it. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Um, you're right. I need to be on brand. People will be like, holy shit, this guy dressed the best, dressed to success. I put Ryan Gosling to shame. Mm-hmm. Always. Um, amazing. So Felix, that was beautiful. I love that you said like culture moves faster than policy. I thought that was just like a thing for everyone to hear. I always like to tell people because some people are like, oh, you're in Hollywood. You're so vapid. You're an actor. And I'm like, y- y'all, we're on the front line of cultural production. Like we're trying to get shit done. I don't know what you think we're trying to do. I'm not just trying to be famous. Like we're literally trying to move the needle so that other trans folks and other people, not even just trans folks, literally giving people permission to have a more expansive view of themselves and a more expansive view of their femininity or masculinity like all of the things right and you're right like i was an activist but i was quote unquote like a pure activist before i went into the art arts realm and i was just personally i'm just speaking for myself i was personally so depressed in that realm yeah it was too heavy and i was not able to transmute the heaviness because i wasn't creating anything yeah, actually a friend of mine, and I quote her on this all the time, and she and she doesn't even remember that she said it to me, but it really stuck with me. A time when I was like knee deep in the like, why is nobody else doing this thing that we're doing? Because it's the most important thing. She said, I just feel like we focus so much on what we're against and not enough on what we were, what we're for. And that mm. is something I carry with me all the time now. Because I, I think about that when I think about the spaces that we're, you know, that we're creating. We talk a lot about like, this space isn't for these people. Okay, but who's it for? Why are you creating this space? What do you want to engender this space with? You know, like, why are we creating art? What do we, what's the world that we want to see? If we want to change the world and make a more amazing place, we have to get people on board to believe in our beautiful vision of what that is. That vision can't be exclusionary. It can't be us being like, well, this sucks and this sucks and I hate that. No one wants to sit next to that person at a party. Yeah, no. Mm -mm. (laughs) So let's make the party exciting and inclusive and welcoming unkind like that's that's what i want to see mic drop oh love that to end the episode felix where can folks find you online on the social if you have a website etc at the moment it's mostly um instagram it's just felix mac writes um on there and Y'all can look me up on LinkedIn if you're interested too. (laughs) I will link your Instagram in the show notes. So we'll have folks can click and just be like, there's Felix. Amazing. Very, very cool. I will say as well, if there are other, if there's trans people listening and you need support or you want to talk about any kind of like transition related stuff, I'm pretty much an open book. If you're cis, do your own research. But for trans people, totally happy to answer any kind of questions as someone who may or may not be quote unquote further along like yeah there for that oh i love that you offered yourself as a resource i try to do that as much as i can as well so i appreciate you saying that it's hard out here it is and people yeah in the medical industry like you got to be really careful so yeah mm-hmm. yes talk to other trans folks for sure very cool well thank you felix thank you for being on the world of rex i hope it was enjoyable i give you a little taste of your chart and thank you for everything you offered now it was really beautiful yeah this was great i'm definitely looking forward to having dinner (laughs) yes oh my god john cameron mitchell we'll make it happen absolutely he's such a doll he's such a doll well everybody thank you for listening to felix and i we just had a wonderful conversation we hope you enjoyed it and we'll catch you next week on the world of rex until then take care bye Bye.